Today we are focusing on Genesis chapter 45. But before we read Genesis 45, let me remind you that here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we continue to believe that since the Bible is the word of God, and that everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God, let us say it together, the Bible is God's word for us. Father, we come before you knowing that you are here with us. As we look into your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit who teaches us may enable us to comprehend it and apply it to our lives. We pray that, Lord, you may speak to us and that we may receive this message as your word and that through it, Lord, you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Is God always, does God always mean well? It's easier to answer yes to that question. It's one of the questions that uh, Christians ask when a loved one dies. It's one of the questions that we ask when we are sick, when we are depressed. It's one of the questions that mothers ask when they have a miscarriage. It's a question that uh, people ask when a spouse has a terminal illness. It's a question that we have to confront so that we can shape our theology of suffering. It's a question that I asked when wisdom was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. I asked, does God always mean well? It's a question that I asked when my brother was killed in 2018. It's a question that I asked last year when my father-in-law died. And I was trying to comfort my wife. And I found myself asking, does God really mean well? And as a pastor, this is a question that I find myself asking when I visit one of our brothers and sisters who is sick. When I spent some time last year with our brother Bob before he died, and I remember having one-on-one -on -one conversation, just trying to encourage him, try to, trying to assure him of the hope that we have in Christ, and I as I talked with him, I found myself asking the same question. Does God always mean well? 
And I think Joseph's story here will help us answer that question in a way that we can embrace and maybe find a meaning for our own lives. We saw last Sunday his brother Judah made a plea, a passionate plea to Joseph, begging him to let them serve him because of Benjamin, because he was so concerned about his father. In chapter 45, after Judah finishes his plea, Joseph is moved into tears. He actually speaks in Egyptian language, asking everyone to vacate the room. And when he's left with his brothers, he begins to weep. He cries so loud that his servants who were outside could hear him. His brothers were in front of him are confused. They don't know what's going on. And Joseph, seeing the terror in their eyes, he reveals himself and he says, I am Joseph, the one whom you sold. His brothers are terrified. They are shocked. They remain silent. And Joseph calls, he calls Benjamin. He tells Benjamin, look at me. Come close. Look at me. I'm your brother, Joseph. And then he tells them something that forms the foundation for this message this morning. If you look with me at verse 5 of Genesis 45, Joseph says to his brothers, And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Of course they should be distressed. Of course, they should be angry against themselves. They should be bitter for what they did to their own brother. Joseph has reasons to be bitter and to blame them for mistreating him, for throwing him into a pit, selling him as a slave. But here, he tells them, do not be distressed. Don't be angry against yourselves. The brothers are confused. Joseph has power here. He can do anything that he wants to them. He has an opportunity to revenge, and yet he tells them, do not be distressed. But here is the reason why. He says, because... It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Mm. So Joseph is looking back at what his brothers did to him. He's facing them now and he's saying, God sent me ahead of you. He's saying to them, God saw everything happening and he prepared for it. He continues to say, 
In verse 6, two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. Verse 7 repeats what he had said in verse 5. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. There is a reason this is repeated here. The author is trying to tell us here, don't miss this. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 8. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Another repetition there. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. Look at verse 9. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. Now you should know, as far as the father is concerned, Joseph is dead. So something is taking place here. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Joseph is now looking at his experience from God's perspective. The bitterness is gone. The blame is gone. He can still remember what happened to him, but when he looks at it, he sees God at work. He has a divine insight into his experience. But let me ask you, when Joseph was stripped naked by his own brothers, who actually wanted to kill him, and then threw him into a pit, leaving him there to die before they sold him. Do you think when he was in the pit, Joseph looked around and said, God sent me here. How about when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and instead of being killed, he was imprisoned. Do you think while he was imprisoned, Joseph, when he entered there, he was like, hallelujah, God has sent me here. I don't think so. Because we know that when he was in prison, when the cupbearer was being released, Joseph told him, please remember me because I am innocent. He felt that he had been forgotten. But now he has the confidence to say, God sent me. And that's why I'm asking, does God mean well? Does he always mean well? When the news from the doctor is not the news that you want to hear, can you believe that God still means well? 
When you see the fabric of the society being ripped apart, apart by politicians and special interest groups. Can you still believe that God means well? When you see children telling their parents what to do and parents are afraid of their children, can you still say, God means well? When you see your marriage falling apart, can you still stand up as a Christian and say, God means well. Does God always mean well? I think that's an important question for us to keep on asking. Personally, I want to know whether God always means well so that I can know how to deal with my own issues, so that I can know how to respond when I find myself walking in the valley of the shadow of death. I want to know whether God means well so that I can find something to hold on to, so that I can turn to him when the rubber meets the road, when I find myself between a rock and a hard place, so that I can call on him. When you see your loved one losing his memory or her memory, can you still stand up with confidence and say, God means well. Or when you just feel your life fading away and you can tell. Can you still open your eyes and smile and say, God means well. Joseph is able to say, that God sent me because now he is looking back at his experience from God's perspective. He has a divine insight into his experience. And I think this message and this story, this account is here for you and me. Not so that we may look back, but so that we may be prepared for what is ahead of us. So that when we face those moments we can also see God. It is clear here that Joseph has forgiven his brothers. Look at verse 14. After Joseph reveals himself, after he has calmed their bro his brother's uh, distress after he has comforted them. We are told in verse 14, then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brother talked with him. There is reconciliation taking place here. The author is not telling you that Joseph forgave his brothers. He is showing you 
He's showing you this is what is happening here. Forgiveness is taking place because reconciliation can never take place where there is no forgiveness. Joseph wanted to forget about his family and his experience. That's why he named his first son the one who forgets. And said, God has enabled me to forget all my afflictions. But God allowed him to confront his past, his experience, and here he is dealing with it face to face. They are now brothers again. The family is coming together. And then Joseph sends them to bring their father. The family is coming together. There is reconciliation taking place. And the greatest reconciliation is when a sinner turns to Christ. Because of our sins, we are separated from God. Sin separates. That's what it does. Christ comes in. He dies on the cross. He provides an opportunity for us to be reconciled with God. He provides an opportunity for us to be forgiven, to become God's children. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is only one. And Acts chapter 4, 12 reminds us that there is only one name given under heaven by which we can be saved. And Jesus himself said in John 14 that I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. We are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ who forgives us our sins. And if you are here or you are listening to us and Jesus is not yet your Savior, you have a chance to be reconciled with God. If you turn to him in faith today, if you turn to him and ask him to forgive you and to save you, he is willing to do that today. Reconciliation is taking place here. Joseph says, God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you is a declaration that assures us that the Lord has a good plan for us. He's telling his brothers, he was preparing ahead. He knew what was going to happen, and he sent me. Yes, you made your decisions. Joseph is not saying what you did was right. No, that's not what he's saying. They were still wrong. But God used it to do what he wanted to do. They are still responsible for their sin, but their sin did not stop God from accomplishing his plan. 
God sent me is a testimony of a Christian whose tears have been wiped away. A Christian who has experienced sorrow, but he also understands what it means to experience encouragement. God sent me is a valedictory of a Christian who submits to God's will. A Christian who has walked in the valley of the shadow of death, but can still confess that the Lord is my shepherd. God sent me is a testimony that every Christian can have. If Joseph's life was a song, it could only be sung by a Christian who knows what it means to be separated from God and what, how it feels to be united with the Lord. A Christian that has been through hell but can still enjoy the joy of the promised hope. That's why it's important for us today to be assured to be assured whether God means well always. And so for those of you who are still asking, does God mean well? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> God means well because he has a plan. He has a good plan. He is a God that has our best interest in mind. One of the verses that we like, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, we like that verse that says, uh, I know the plans that I have for you. Uh, plans not of evil, but of peace, to give you a hope and a future. But you know, this passage was said to the Israelites who were in captive in Babylon. And while there, they were crying to God for deliverance. They wanted to be delivered ASAP. They were calling on God to respond to their cry. And God said, prepare for a long stay. Build houses and plant vineyards. Give your children to marry and to be married because you are going to stay there for a long time. And then he added, for I know the plans I have for you. It's not spoken to people who are enjoying life. It's spoken to people who are complaining, people who are in bitterness, people who are angry, are blaming one another, and they are hoping for deliverance. And God reminds them that I mean well. I mean well because I have a good plan for you. I was talking with a, a pastor friend and he told me a story that touched my heart. This couple, a Christian couple, they're actually missionaries. They had been married for quite some time. The husband's parents were dead, but the 
parents of the wife were still alive. And they were not Christians, they were Buddhists. And the father wanted a grandchild. And so he pressured his daughter so much, so much, always asking for, for a grandchild. This couple had tried to have children and they couldn't. So because of the pressure of the father, they decided to seek medical help. And they tried everything they could and they were told that you cannot have children, both of you. And they came to their father to tell him that, Father, we cannot have children. And this father was so discouraged. He looked at them and he said, where is your God now? Where is your God now? The same whisper that the enemy whispers to our ears when we are going through a difficulty. When we feel lonely, when we are sick, when we are grieving, the enemy brings those thoughts. Where is your God now? I think he was doing the same when Joseph was in the pit. I think he was doing the same when he was in prison. And he is doing the same to us. Each one of us will have those moments that tempts him or her to question the goodness of God. Each one of us. I know Christians that are angry at God because of something that happened to their lives. I know Christians that are, are shouting the loudest today, but if something happens to their children, they will turn against God. Where is your God now? And this couple couldn't respond to that. Because they were also trying to deal with the news that they had received. And they accepted it. They continued to live their lives. They went back to the mission field. Two years later, the woman conceived. And she had a baby boy. After one year, they came back to visit her father with their son. The father couldn't hold tears from his eyes when he saw that child, bouncing baby boy. He looked at him. We are not sure whether the father came to Christ or not, but this couple says, that the reason God gave them that son was not because they needed a child. They had accepted that they were not going to have a child. They believed the reason God gave them that son was to answer the question that their father was asking. 
Where is your God now? And that child stands before him as God's living image. And every time he looks at that child with the question in mind, that question is answered. And that couple can say, like Joseph, it wasn't you, it was God. Because it is always, always God. In Psalm 30 verse 5, David says, For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Brothers and sisters, this life may frustrate you. It may put you to places and tempt you to doubt the goodness of God. It will make you question your faith and the hope that you have in Christ. God, sometimes he may use physical and emotional difficulty to get our attention. But when that happens, we can always be hopeful. We can always be peaceful because we know that he means well. He means well because he has a good plan. And we may not fully understand his plan. We may not even know what he's trying to accomplish. But because we know that he means well, we will trust him and wait on him. And I want to encourage you, when you find yourself in this spot where you are asking, does God mean well? That because of this message, you will find confidence you will have a reason, despite the pain, despite the disappointment, despite anything that might be happening to you, you will find confidence to say, I know God, I don't understand it, I can't clearly see it, but I know you mean well. And maybe for some of us, it will be a prayer, God, please help me. Help me know that you still mean well. Because sometimes it's so difficult. Sometimes it's so painful. It's distressing. But when I know that this God means well because he has a plan, then I know that every pain that I experience, every sorrow that I go through, every difficulty that I face is temporary. And the only permanent reality is the joy of the Lord because that is our strength. God means well because he has a good plan. Father, I want to thank you this morning. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. I know that you care for us, and I know, Lord, that there are many questions that we have because of the experiences that we've had, the experiences that we are going to have. But, Father, I know that you have answers, and the greatest answer we can have is actually your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. And therefore, Lord, I pray for that one soul that doesn't know you, that you may draw it to you. I also want to pray for every family that is represented here this morning. 
I know, Lord, that you know us more than we know ourselves. And I'm praying that you may minister to us at the areas of our need. I pray, Lord, for those of us who are struggling to forgive, that you will enable us to do so. For those of us that are struggling to reconcile, that, Lord, you will give us the power that we need, the courage that is needed to take that step, so that, Lord, your children may enjoy your presence, so that your children may flourish like the stars in the sky, so that your children may be the light that others can see and that in their lives you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.